Welcome to High Heels in Politics, the podcast where we talk with the leaders of Ohio and beyond. And now, your host, Marianne Christie. High Heels in Politics interview will introduce you to Ohio's 66th Lieutenant Governor. As your host, Marianne Christie, we will spotlight Lieutenant Governor John Husted, who has been a persistent advocate promoting an environment that attracts investment, fosters innovation, and developing a skilled workforce. The lieutenant governor standing shoulder to shoulder with Governor DeWine to guide the 21st century's economic mission, vision, and purpose to position Ohio for long-term success. Who is John Houston? He was raised in Montpelier, Ohio, graduated from Montpelier High School, received his bachelor and master's degree from the University of Dayton, where he played football. While completing his master's degree, he was offered a job at the University of Toledo football coaching staff, but instead he chose to work at the Dayton Chamber of Commerce, a position he held until he won a seat as state rep. The rest is history, as he went on to serve as Speaker of the Ohio House, Ohio Secretary of State, and today as Lieutenant Governor. Houston is a fiscal conservative and has been dedicated to developing policies and initiatives that promote economic growth that has made Ohio attractive to investors and businesses. Welcome, Lieutenant Governor. What were the key economic challenges when you and Governor DeWine took office, and how has it evolved? Thanks for inviting me to be on, Marianne. This is, this is great. Always enjoy being with you. The bottom line is, is, it's always an issue of, hey, do we have enough good jobs for the people of the state? Do we have the foundational elements in place? You know, we were having infrastructure problems at that time. It was a a tech-infused economy. Were we going to be competing in tech at the level we needed to? And the governor and I have worked with the legislature to sort out a lot of those issues. You mentioned transportation infrastructure. We just passed a transportation bill that will help expand our roads, our our bridges. For those of you in Southwest Ohio, anybody who travels across the Brent Spence Bridge knows that for a decade, it's been an issue in Cincinnati. In Northern Kentucky, will we have a bridge? And the answer to that with the passage of this transportation bill is yes, we have the foundation for that new bridge, financial foundation being built. So Ohio is on the rise. We're frankly at a point where we're creating more jobs and we have people to fill them. So talent will be a critical component of whether or not uh, we can continue to grow Ohio's economy at the pace that we are rebounding right now. Thanks to all your work, Ohio has taken a strong, proactive role in attracting new industries and businesses. For all our our listeners, the biggest economic development has been the Intel Company. Discuss the importance of America being a semiconductor production plant. Yeah, we competed with 40 other sites around the country to win the Intel deal. And Intel's first phase of this project will be a $20 billion investment in an area northeast of Columbus to build semiconductors. They'll build two fabs that will make 
the most high-tech semiconductors in the world. Ultimately, they hope, and we hope, that this will grow to have five total phases, $100 billion in investment, tens of thousands of direct jobs at the site, including tens of thousands of construction jobs over time, a whole supply chain moving to Ohio that will help really establish the premier site east of the Mississippi for the production of semiconductors. You say, okay, that's great for Ohio. Why is it a big deal for America? Well, right now, America makes approximately 0% of the most high-tech semiconductors in the world. What are semiconductors? These are the computer chips that operate everything. There are 300 subsectors of the economy that would shut down without access to computer chips. Everything in our modern lives relies on a computer chip. And with new technologies like artificial intelligence and all of these other things that are coming, driver-assisted technologies on our cars, we're going to need smaller and faster computer chips, not to mention what's going to power our national defense weapons systems. And so what we learned as a nation is that we can no longer depend on foreign supply chains for the things that matter most. We don't want to become dependent on China for computer chips. Almost all of the high-tech computer chips in the world are made in Asia right now. And we've made a decision in America, and Ohio is leading the way at building these computer chips domestically, building that whole supply chain, creating lots of jobs, and we're going to need to rebuild our talent pool for people in engineers, computer scientists, things like that, that are going to lead the way to doing this. So this is in America's national and economic security interest that this happened in America. And Ohio won the competition for this new facility. And we are quickly building out. You should see this. It's just a massive construction site. It's unbelievable. I've met companies that are all the way to Lake Erie, to the Ohio River, who are going to be supplying Intel, supplying Intel suppliers, supplying the suppliers of Intel suppliers. It's just a huge economic development project. Ohio is literally on the rise in technology. You ask what we facing before. When we, when we got these jobs as governor, lieutenant governor, uh, Ohio wasn't on the map with technology. Now we have one of the, we have the largest economic development project in, in the United States. It's the tech project, computer chips, but we've done other things, landed a quantum computer, the only privately held quantum computer outside of the Department of Defense and Energy and the IBM labs is going to be at the Cleveland Clinic, where they're going to do amazing research. We can talk more about that if you're interested, but Ohio is leading the way in technology. And that was my goal when I founded something we call Innovate Ohio, which is designed to use technology to improve the way we serve our customers and make Ohio the most innovative entrepreneurial state in the Midwest. And Marianne, when we talk about semiconductors and quantum computers and things like that. The other thing that technologies allow us to do is to not have to come into the office anymore and not have to uh, go to the BMV on your driver's license renewals or to do all these things. We've saved 4 million visits to things like the BMV, places like the BMV where we've eliminated those in-person interactions. So technology is doing huge things and it's also making our lives easier and more convenient. This BMV what have you done there to save people from going to? Yeah, well, what we first thing we did was allow you to get in line online, which was you go to the, the BMV website, you pick a location that you want to go, and you just reserve your spot in line. It says, hey, the wait's 20 minutes, show up any time after 
1042 and let us know you're here and you'll be next in line. That, that was a convenience time saver, which saved people lots of money. But then we went further to offer more and more of these services online where you can renew your driver's license online. And I will say that it, it's something my wife, Tina, has loved because she says she gets to be forever young because she doesn't have to change her driver's license picture. But, <laughs> but you, you can um, just do more and more things online at the BMV, which means you don't have to go in person. And nobody likes that experience. Nobody likes to go there and sit and have to take off work or spend your Saturday morning there. We just eliminated a lot of the need to do those kinds of things. I picked the BMV, but there's so many things across the state of Ohio that that fit into that category where we're just using technology to create better customer service for people in Ohio so that we can make it easier on on them in their daily lives. Well, I brought it up because I got tired after the last time I sat there for a half an hour waiting for my turn. So I'm glad that, you know. Yeah, so if you have to go, if there's some reason you have to go, make sure you get in line online and you just go into the BMV website, you pick the location and then they'll make it easier for you to check in so you don't have to wait when you get there. Correct. You brought up the Cleveland Clinic, and that's why with the computer. Do you want to just elaborate for a minute on that? This is actually an an idea that we discussed with the Cleveland Clinic. I remember it very well, September 29th, 2020, when the Trump-Biden debates were. They said this partnership with IBM, and I said, hey, why don't you have IBM give you a quantum computer? A lot of people are like, well, what's a quantum computer? And I bet most of your listeners probably are saying, well, yeah, what is a quantum computer? A quantum computer is a technology, a type of computer that doesn't run on binary code, ones and zeros. It it runs on its own code where it can switch between those two um, systems. And it runs at a temperature that's near absolute zero. So nearly 270 degrees Kelvin, which is super, super cold. It's new technology that literally can solve unsolvable questions. I can I call it like a time machine because if you take something that a supercomputer today might take it 10,000 years to calculate, there, were, there could be encryption questions or human DNA or all of those kinds of things that nobody can really calculate that answer to that question in their lifetimes. Well, a quantum computer can take something that might take 10,000 years. They could, it could do it in one day. Think about that. Amazing, isn't it, John? The reason it's important is because at the Cleveland Clinic, the partnership with IBM will help us solve healthcare questions that were previously unsolvable. Maybe your individual solution to a healthcare problem could be calculated on a quantum computer, things like that, because it's it's solvable. They can run every possible simulation in a short period of time. Now, that's the positive things that can happen the negative things are is that if America doesn't master quantum computing before some of our adversaries, then it could be used for very nefarious things. For example, you know how we encrypt things. You have a phone, there's an encryption, you know, they can't find how to get your data off it. Well, a quantum computer makes encryption really obsolete because it can solve every, it can run every possible encryption code in a very short period of time and de-encrypt something. So that's the nefarious thing that could be derived from mastering quantum. And I know China is one of our competitors in this space. America can't fall behind in any of these technologies. Our national and economic security, and this is why I talk about technology, and I know it can sound sometimes people like, well, why do I care? This scares me. But we have to win as Americans in this 
in these technological races because if you don't win the technology race, you don't win the economic race, and you don't win the national security race. And that's why we have to care about it. That's why we got to be good at it. That's why we've got to develop talent and talented people who can work in these spaces. That's really a lot to absorb. I know it, it can be, but I just know, look, most people don't have to worry about some of these things. All right. But I want them to know that I worry about them and I'm working on them. And I am I'm committed to making sure that Ohio and America are second to none when it comes to technological supremacy. Well, let me then go on to another question. EV, which is the production of electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. Honda is here and you have been working with them to produce this. And people don't understand. What about charging stations for these electric vehicles? Yeah, this is an evolving question in the world that the it's understand why it's happening the government of america and governments around the world have said well because of climate change we need to reduce fossil fuel emissions so they set higher standards for automobile miles per gallon and as a result of that automobile companies are responding by creating hybrid and electric vehicle platforms that are um, being built all over the country now. And so you're seeing this massive rush of EVs being built. And that means battery plants because the battery is the complex component of making an EV work. It's not only hard to develop, but it's trying to use technology to improve the way the batteries work. And Ohio has won several of these projects. The first one we won was up in Lordstown, taking was GM and LG Energy Solutions building batteries for GM up in near the Youngstown area. Ford later then decided to build its next generation of F-250 and up the larger industrial pickup trucks. They're going to build them in Lorain County near Cleveland. GM is retooling a facility in Toledo to build electric motors. But our big win was Honda deciding to invest billion in a new battery plant. It's kind of in between, uh, it's really at the junction of 35 and 71, if people know where that is. It's kind of in between Columbus, Cincinnati and Dayton, right there on off of I-71. Well, let me put this in context. It is 78 football fields under roof. That's the size of this new Honda LG facility that's being built. It's a pretty amazing technology, fully automated production battery plant. We're trying to lead the way in the space. But I want to put all of this in context, okay, with batteries. People say, well, all these new jobs. Well, understand, it's really not going to be a lot of new jobs in the end. Because for every battery and electric motor that you build, that means that's one less engine and transmission you're going to build. Frankly, We just have to put that in context, but it's important that we win because look, battery powered hybrid cars, battery powered cars, hybrid cars are the, are, are the direction that the world is going via government mandate and out of the need to reduce emissions. And so we just have to win. We have to win some of these new projects because a lot of the engine and transmission plants will eventually go away and we got to replace them with battery and electric motors. 
Where do you build these charging stations? Are they going to replace gas stations? This is a complexity because you never know you never know how quickly we're going to move because only 5 to 7% of all the cars purchased in America last year new cars were battery powered. So how fast does this need to grow? People can charge them at home of course in their own homes. But then you're just going to have to see the infrastructure will get built out over time. The real issue with an electric car is if you have to travel any long distance. And where can you find charging stations? How long does it take to do a quick charge at these stations? Technology, it's look, it's not as convenient as a gas-powered vehicle. Gas-powered vehicle, they can have longer range. It's easy just to pop into a gas station, fill up your tank and go. It's not a 20-minute, 30-minute ordeal to charge your car like there is. So these are these will be built in public areas, and you're seeing them more and more will be in parking lots and parking garages. But this range anxiety and those long-range issues, I think, will still plague the production of fully electric cars. I think that I've talked to some folks who think that hybrids are maybe the way to go with partial gas, partial electric. We're going to learn, Marianne. It's just this is this is a process right now that America and the world's going through. The limits of technology will determine, I think, and, and the cost will determine how quickly these are adapted and adopted. John, you're talking about a whole new direction for a need for a workforce. What role is the Ohio Department of Higher Education? under Chancellor Randy Gardner, taken in developing this workforce? And also, and yeah. talk a little bit about that high school internship. There are so many things that I could talk with you about on workforce. We are a state that is, right now, facing demographic challenges. The whole nation is facing demographic challenges. Because everybody you talk to, they'll say, hey, we need, we need more nurses. We need new firefighters. We need more police officers. We need more welders. Yes, yes, because we do. Because the baby boom generation is retiring and the next generation is not as big. So our pool of working age workforce, those people between sort of 20 and 60, depending on how you measure it, it's just shrinking. So we have to do a great job at educating people. That means more high school students graduating career ready, ready out of our career centers. I've been to career centers recently that are full, whether it's robotics, welding, manufacturing, nursing, cybersecurity, they're full. That's great news because that means more high school students are graduating their career centers, career ready, going to work, like graduating on Saturday, going to work on Monday in a job where they can make a good living. And in many cases, if they want to continue on to college, their employers will pay for those classes. So that's those are the great things happening at the high school level in higher education. Look, we need all kinds of different routes and we're trying to make it more affordable. That's a big deal. College credit plus allows you to earn college credits while you're in high school, which means that we make the cost of college less expensive. Very good program. And we constantly are are putting pressure on our institutions of higher learning to keep them affordable. I will tell you though, super important that we continue to produce STEM talent. Okay science, technology, engineering, mathematics, you know, computer science, all of those things are so important because it's a tech-infused economy. Almost all jobs require some new jobs require some kind of technical skill and we need to make sure that we're helping people get access to those skills. Then the final thing that we're doing, it's called 
tech cred, T-E-C-H-C-R-E-D. And this is for anybody in the state of Ohio who either wants a job or is already in the workforce. We will help you earn an in-demand, industry-recognized credential for free to help upskill our workforce, make them more employable, help them raise their pay, because your future workforce is probably your current workforce and its technology infuses all aspects of our of our work. We need to help people continue to build their skills. These are short-term credentials. Sometimes they can be earned in days or weeks that will give you a technology industry-recognized skill. And so nobody's left off. High school students, college students, adults who are already in the workforce, anybody who wants to get improve their employability and their earning power, we have a pathway for you to do that. This is fantastic. I was going to ask you later on about who to contact, but is there between Randy Gardner's job as a with higher education or this high tech, yeah. is there somebody they can contact? This is how I encourage. If you have a high school student that you're interested in, contact your school's guidance counselor or contact the local career center where that student is, where that student resides. They will help guide you through this. For college, look at the options that your local community college provide, because many cases, that's a more affordable pathway. You earn your associate's degree, then you can transfer to a four-year institution and finish your, your bachelor's degree. Your local community colleges or universities can talk through those kinds of things with you. And then as far as any adult who wants to earn a skill, go to techcred.ohio.gov, T-E-C-H-C-R-E-D, and you can see all of the various ways that you can earn a industry-recognized credential. So there are all of those various pathways that are available for the people of Ohio. We don't want our children and grandchildren ever to have to leave Ohio to find a great job. And we want to give them the education that they need to find those jobs. That's what's happening in our state right now. We are emerging as the go-to state in the Midwest, particularly for high-tech research and uh, manufacturing. And uh, I'm excited about what our future holds. You should be. I not only, but I'm sure my listeners have a, now a better understanding of the complex undertaking in order to develop Ohio into a major business state. John, you've told us a lot of things, but one of the things our listeners always like to hear is your personal stories. You were born in Detroit, but you were adopted, but you yeah. also were the oldest of three children. You yeah. How did well, they you know influence what? you? Yeah, very blessed. I started out life in a foster home. Thankfully, my biological mom chose to have a baby <laughs> yeah. rather than make a choice. And that was uh, obviously the first major blessing in my life. And then I was adopted by two amazing people, Jim and Judy Husted, my mom and dad, who taught me great values, hard work, personal responsibility, the importance of family, the importance of faith and just gave me good values and a good work ethic. And a lot of love, unconditional love, which is a great thing from your parents, particularly when you're a teenage boy, right? <laughs> yes. And they just were great. And I grew up in rural Northwest Ohio, Montpelier, Ohio, loved sports and played four sports in high school and then played football in college at the University of Dayton. All of those were great blessings, character building opportunities, resilience, all the character values that you, you learn from sports. That was great. And then additionally, you know, yeah, I was the oldest of three. My sister was also adopted and 
And then my, my mom and dad eventually were able to have their own uh, biological child, my brother, Jeff. And so we are very close family. And then I'm blessed to have a wonderful wife and Tina. I know you know Tina very well. And my children, Alex, Katie, and Kylie, which we love them all dearly. You know, Marianne, that Tina is an accomplished everything, right? She's a, she's a physical therapist, a real estate broker, an artist, a track coach, and now a golf coach doing all kinds of things. But she is in the process of painting. She's, as you know, she's a very good yes. artist. She's going to paint a scene from all 88 Ohio counties. And she's well down her list. It's always a great thing because you see just the amazing beauty that Ohio has to offer. And, and she's capturing that on canvas. And, and I'm excited to see them all when she's done. Well, John, are you saying she's going to take one major segment out of every county? People are sending her some great photos of their respective counties, things that are that they love about their community and sending them to her and things that she sees when she's out and about with me or out there on her own. And then she, if it feels compelling to her, she paints it, puts it on canvas and, and eventually is going to share all the paintings in all 88 counties. Well, you know, your daughter, Kylie, is, is loves baseball. She was at the Reds and she pitched off the, the mound of the Reds and your <laughs> wife was the, the catcher. <laughs> How yeah. is Kylie doing with her baseball I, career? Kylie's doing great. She's, she's very blessed athletically and she's got a big personality. That's the fun thing about our kids is they're all a little different. They're just, uh, they're just a great joy. Yeah, I've never heart. met your other daughter, but I've met Kylie. What? Yeah, K- Katie and Kylie, they, they had AAU basketball this weekend. They were playing basketball and doing golf and tennis and all the other sports that they enjoy doing as well. So it's fun to watch them compete. Well, we're getting to the point of closing, and I want to thank you on how your team and the Governor Mike DeWan, you've coordinated all these strategic approaches to make our state more competitive and attractive to businesses. And really, your hard work and tenacity on this journey has been pow- has made a powerful impact. Before we close, tell us how people can contact you. Well, we're pretty easy to find. You can just call the Lieutenant Governor's office and connect with us there. Or send us an email. All that's uh, on our on our public web website. You can also reach me by going to johnhusted.com. I think that's one of our other ways that you can reach me. And so let me. I'll just close with this. I just value the opportunity to serve. I think service is a gift where where we get the opportunity to help other people achieve their goals and aspirations in life. And uh, I get great meaning and purpose in life out of helping other people. And I love working on those issues and innovation and economic development and workforce development, because if you, you get people a good job, you give them a good education, they can solve most of their problems in life without it, without government getting involved. So that's uh, what I always aspire to do. Well, I agree with you because through a job, not only through a job, but self-worth is the most important ingredient for each of us to have to make Purpose a contribution. Me. Me. Yep. Thank yep. you. Thank you, Thank Lieutenant you. Governor Houston. Bye. Thank you. High Heels and Politics is produced by Marianne Christie and Ryan Kulik. Engineered by Ryan Kulik. Music by Sherrod Sate. Subscribe to High Heels and Politics on Google, Apple, Spotify, and all of your podcast networks.